Lord, it is such a joy and privilege to begin that glory giving to you here that we know will go on for eternity. For the kingdoms of this earth will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you will reign forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we acknowledge that today. And we welcome you now, our King, our Glorious One. Come. Come, you who are the eternal Word. Come and be the now Word to speak into our lives here this day. In Jesus' name and for your glory, we pray. Amen. This morning, uh, we begin a Advent study, as Marie uh, shared with us this morning. We're in the first Sunday of Advent, and this year, our theme for Advent is going to be sola, sola. It has been said that we, as a culture, are standing at the crossroads and the signposts have fallen down. Perhaps that is an accurate representation of where we are at in this time and season in our life and cultural life together. So this morning as we complete our year to engage this month in this time of Advent, we're going to engage five of the soleil. One of my favorite scriptures is in Jeremiah 6.16. It's a scripture regarding discernment, and it's spoken to the people of Israel at a critical time. And like those crossroads, the prophet Jeremiah says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask where the ancient paths are. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Now, notice there's some active things there for us to do. We are to stand. We are to look. What do we do next? Ask and then what do we do? Walk. Stand. Look, ask, and then begin to walk in the way that has been spoken and given to us. So during the season of Advent here and over the next five, four Sundays, five five Sundays, we're going to be looking at the five sole on the ancient path. Now, the five sole come out of a season in the life of the church and of the life of culture at that time that was in some ways not dissimilar to ours in that it was a time when culture was again at a crossroads and the signposts had fallen down. And the church at that time was no longer providing the kind of guidance that was needed. And so out of that came the Reformation the Reformation of the Church. And over the subsequent centuries, in reflection upon what happened during the Reformation, there are five sole that became critically important and became 
actually signposts to keep us rightly oriented on the ancient path. So these are not going to be brand new truths, things that you perhaps have never heard before. But I want and desire for us to hear and listen to them afresh this morning, with fresh ears, and to discover over these next, uh, this next month that God is giving us fresh direction on an ancient path, because it's the ancient path of His truth that we want to walk in as we walk forward in this Advent season. So the five soli that we're going to be looking at is, first of all, sola scriptura. Sola scriptura, sola means alone or only. So it's scripture alone or scripture only. Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola Christus. Christ alone, and sola, soli, Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. So over these next five weeks, we're going to be unpacking each of these. Next week, Alan Ross will be here. He will be sharing about sola fide, and then from there, sola gratia, sola Christus, and soli, Deo Gloria. But this morning, our focus is on sola Scriptura. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is going to form a foundation for our conversation this morning. And um, it's there typed for you in your bulletin as well. Or you can look at it up here on the screen, but it's lovely to hear the sound of rustling pages or the sound of smartphones being Scrolled through, that's fine too, all right? Do they have them where they have an app where it can make it sound like pages turning? Do they? All right. So those of you that are part of Bethel Christian, on your Bible part of your app, would you make it sound like that? Because I just love that sound of pages turning. All right. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All, say with me all. Say it again, please. All Scripture. Yeah. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed. This is the word out of which we get the word inspired. It's the inspiration of the Lord. It's the literally the breathing out of His. He breathed out and the Word of God came into being. John 1 tells us that Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. And the living, then the Word of God, the Scriptures become a reflection or a, or a, a means of, of transmission of that voice of the Lord into our lives. It's breathed out from Him and into us. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that we, as servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me just take a a, a brief moment to unpack this. 
All right, so I'm, I'm, I've got a fair amount written today on the PowerPoint, so I'll, I'll take some time to unpack it and put it up there so you can write down what you need to to remember key points here. The voice of Scripture, God's inspired word, speaks uniquely into our individual lives and corporate life. Listen carefully. Scripture alone, not culture, not tradition, not our own ideas, has the ultimate authority to show us what we are to believe and how we are to live. This is critically important, people. Throughout the centuries, the church has struggled with how to hear the voice of the Lord and and so has has gone in some various different directions. And so for some of the church, um, tradition has become on an an equal plane with the Word of God. And that, in, in fact, is what Martin Luther was one of the things he was specifically responding to in the Reformation. That's why Sola Scriptura came, because now tradition is important and it is significant, but it is not elevated to the place of authority that Scripture has. Now, in the contemporary church, often a different ditch has gone, and which is elevating sort of cultural mandates above. Okay, so, so there is a, and, and I want to be careful here because I love the church of Jesus Christ, all of the church of Jesus Christ, but there is a, a particular denomination that through the years has had a marketing, and I won't say who that is, but has had a marketing thing that says, God is still speaking, comma. Okay? Now what they mean by that is not, we believe that God is still speaking. I believe God is still speaking. But what they're saying is implicit in in their marketing campaign is that God is still speaking and he has new truth to tell us that that supersedes, that goes above and beyond the word of God. I've got an issue with that. Because scripture alone holds that authority, not what culture around us tells us. So we have to be very careful and very discerning. And, and culture, I mean, that, you know, we've talked about kingdom culture, a culture that transcends and transforms all earthly cultures. So here's where we have to recognize, we have to come, and we have to be self-aware of our own cultural things that we're bringing to the table and allow Scripture to speak into our own cultural biases, which may or may not line up with sola scriptura. So we need to be careful because it's not just those people out there. It can be us people who get drawn in and elevate culture to higher place than Scripture. And then, of course, there's a whole other movement, very contemporary movement, which, of course, has been throughout the ages, but that's that my own thoughts, my own ideas. Well, you've probably heard this. Well, that's good for you because that's your truth but I have a different truth. Really? So there's multiple truths? Hmm. Again, I think Scripture becomes very clear upon that, that no, 
We don't elevate our own ideas and our own concepts and our own thoughts above Scripture. In fact, this is one of the essential reasons that we need community with one another. Because if you and I interpret the Scripture on our own, we're going to do so through the prism of our own lives, which have for all of us, a certain level of distortion, and we need one another to help properly shape Scripture in our lives. That's why it speaks uniquely to our individual lives and our corporate life. You understand? We need one another to properly understand. That's what a, one of the things I love about this house is that people from various cultures, human cultures, and experience with God bring a fresh perspective to our lives which help us to see things differently than we would see them ourselves, left to our own devices, right? So this whole individualistic spirituality cannot have the same level of authority that this, the Word of God, has in our lives. Amen? So the scripture, and the, the end of the scripture here, when it says thoroughly equipped, that word thoroughly means the scripture equips us to be competent and complete. That's the word thoroughly. The word thoroughly means competent and complete. So absent the word of God, we will be what? Incompetent and incomplete. So we need the Word of God to equip us, to build us up, to prepare us, to help us be competent and complete so that we are able to fulfill our true calling and destiny, so that we will know who we are and what we are to do. All right. So, now I want to take us forward for the next few minutes, talk about three ways in which the scripture comes into our life and speaks to us. The voice of scripture speaks uniquely into our lives, individually and corporately. All right? Three ways. And yes, they all begin with the same letter. So, it's as it should be, world without end. All right. So, first of all, scripture is penetrating. Scripture is penetrating. Have you ever figured that, have, have you ever had the experience of reading along in the Bible and suddenly getting clobbered? Or you have this experience that feels like it almost feels like it's being highlighted, like there's a highlighter, and suddenly a word or a phrase or a scripture just come alive? Okay? Have you had that experience? If you haven't, I'm going to be praying for us today that you will have that. All right? I'm going to be praying and asking the Lord to penetrate in our lives. All right? Because Hebrews 4, 12, 13 says, the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I want to tell you a story. Many of you in this room have perhaps heard this story 
before, but a lot of you have never heard this story. And this is a story about when the Lord penetrated my life in a way that actually changed the trajectory of my life and ministry. I came here to Pastor Bethel Christian Fellowship in April of 1990. 23 and a half, almost 24 years ago now, I came to pastor this congregation. And when I did, I came with the explicit need for the congregation to rediscover a sense of identity and destiny, who we were as a people and where we were going. Now, 23 and a half years ago, I was much younger than I am now. I was 30 years old, and I had... I just had my birthday on Thanksgiving, by the way, so I'm 54, in case you're keeping tally. All right, so 54 years old. And I had a whole lot more energy, and I had a whole lot more answers than I've got now. All right? And so I rolled up my proverbial sleeves, and I began to go to work. And I worked I poured my life. I did everything I knew how to do. I worked and worked and worked. I, I would tell people, I'm playing at the top of my game. I'm doing everything I know how to do and everything, you know, whatever. And, and, and because when I came to the church, it was in a time of, of distress. And, and so there was a, a real need for sort of a, a turnaround. And, and I was working and I kept thinking, we're coming around the corner. 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 Will the corner ever come around? Are we ever going to come around? And so I, you know, and, and so there came a particular day, and I won't go into all the detail about this, but I had lunch with one of our leaders, and, um, and, and he, in the context of that lunch, um, something very dramatic happened in me. I, he he uh, shared with me it was somebody who was a close friend and a, and a dear brother and just shared about, um, you know, uh, they had moved out and were, were moving kind of away, not only out but away from the church. And, and my heart was, I was heartbroken because I was losing um, both my, my close friend and, and a leader who really understood the direction we were going. And, and I remember his words and saying, you know, um, I, I think it's time. It's okay because the church is doing so well now. Things have really turned around, and I'm looking at him going, what on earth do you mean? Don't you realize I'm dying here? I just, you know, we're still coming around the corner and, you know, and, and all of that. So the next morning, I called in, and I, you know, at that point, I never took a sick day um, that I remember, but I called in. I called Mora, who was my, our office manager at the time, and said, I, I just, I can't come in today. I've got to take a, a mental health day, because <laughs> I was just dying. So we live not far from here, we live, and we live not far from the river. So we live a couple miles from here, and we live about a mile from the Mississippi River. So I went down to Hidden Falls Park, which if you've ever been there, it's a lovely place. So along the Mississippi River there, and I went walking. And when you walk along the Mississippi River, you walk out, and you keep walking, and eventually, when you're walking, you end up at a, at, a, at a peninsula. It kind of ends, and the rivers come to the confluence of a couple of the whatever come together, and, and um, Fort Snelling is up there, and, and you can't walk any further, okay? 
So when you're walking out, and it's not like walking in a lake where you walk around a lake. You walk out, and then what do you got to do? You got to walk back, all right? So I get out to the end of the promontory, and, and I see this enormous Minnesota thunderstorm coming my way. And it was bad. It was black as black could be, lightning, wind, you know, and I didn't, you know. So I'm, so at that point, I'm turning around, and I begin walking back. So I'm walking back along, and suddenly it begins to rain. Of course, I didn't have an umbrella. I didn't, have any, I didn't even know it was going to be raining. So I'm walking along, and it's raining out of me. I'm getting drenched. I come to this open field, and I'm walking in the midst of this open field, and suddenly it begins hailing. And it's hailing down on my head, and I'm in the middle of an open field. There's lightning all around. I'm not going to go stand next to a tree. I'm just stuck there in the middle of the field with rain and hail and lightning and everything just pouring down on me. And this is the honest truth. I looked up to heaven, and I said these words. This is true. I have these short prayers with God. I said, okay, God, I I give up. I quit. In fact, you can just take me home right now. I'm ready to go. Just take me home. I'm done. I'm finished. Because you see, what was happening in the heavenlies was exactly what was happening in my heart. My heart was just full of clouds and rain and hail and storm. And the moment I said, I give up, I heard the Lord speak back to me. And he said to me these words. This is, I will never forget this as long as I live. The inner audible voice of the Lord spoke to me, and he said these words. He said, are you so foolish? Except for he had his own translation, and I'm quite sure in my memory I remember him saying, are you so stupid? Okay. He speaks to me very bluntly. After beginning in the spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal through human effort? He touched me. Whoa, he touched me. A two by four. Right in the middle of my forehead. Galatians 3 3. Penetrated my life and changed the trajectory forever. Because from that moment, and I don't mean that I've done this perfectly, but from that moment, I mean, it's ongoing struggle for, you know, a recovering workaholic who wants to do everything and manage everything, make sure everything and all the ducks in a row and everything else. But I've been on a journey of discovery for the last 20 years about surrendering to him and recognizing it's not my human effort, it's his spirit who builds his church. So that's become really, for me, a ministry verse, a lifelong ministry verse. I don't want to just begin in the spirit, I want to end in the spirit and everything in between in the spirit. So, The living, active voice of God's word has the double edge of judgment and mercy. It reveals our rebellion and our brokenness and reorients us towards obedience and wholeness. Do you catch that? That's why it's double-edged. The double-edged Lord, he lays bare. It says in 
in here it says, everything is uncovered and laid bare. But he doesn't lay us bare because he wants to destroy us. He lays us bare because he wants to transform us. Because he loves us so much. So he revealed in that moment my brokenness and my rebellion. I was doing it in my own strength and out of my own skill, thinking that I was doing a great job. And Jesus, Jesus, look at how hard I'm working for you. And he had to lay bare at the fundamental core of my soul that I was making it about me. And he wanted it to be about him. And so I had to reorient my heart again towards him, towards obedience, and receive wholeness from him. Do you get this? Do you see this? Do you hear this? He'll do the same for you because he loves you just as much as he loves me. Right? And he wants to touch and change your life as much as he wants to touch and change mine. Scripture is prophetic. It is prophetic. Love this. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. No prophecy of Scripture. Scripture is very prophetic. What does prophetic mean? Well, let me unpack that for a moment. The voice of God's Word speaks with incredible clarity about what is, that's foretelling, and what will be foretelling. In doing so, it reveals the heart and purposes of God. Sometimes we think of prophetic as only predictive, which it is, and we're going to come to that in a moment. It does foretell events that will happen. We see that repeatedly throughout Scripture. But an essential, with that, and an essential part of what the prophetic Scripture does is it tells things as they are. You can try to get around it, but it's really tough to get around the Word of God when it comes and begins to speak into your life because it will tell you the way things truly are, not as you would like to imagine them to be. (laughs) Right? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Jeremiah says. But then, thanks be to God, he is greater than our hearts. (laughs) He understands our hearts. And you know what? He reads our hearts. We don't just simply read Scripture. Scripture reads us. It penetrates to tell us the way things are and the way things will be. Revealing the heart and purposes of God. The voice of God's Word spoke innumerable prophecies in the Old Testament regarding Jesus, which are completely fulfilled in the New Testament. Now we're going to get to the foretelling part for a moment. In Advent here, these prophecies were written four to 15 centuries before Jesus' birth. Yet, are highly detailed and 100% accurate. There are just prophecies after prophecies after prophecies here in the Word that speak of Jesus. Now, it's one thing if somebody's predicting might maybe what's going to happen with the weather tomorrow, they get that about 40%, right? Okay? But these are four to 15 centuries, 400 to 1,500 years before Jesus' birth. The prophets were speaking, the Scripture speaks of Jesus' birth. 
Jesus' lineage and birthplace. It says in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He's from the clan of Judah. He came out of Bethlehem. He was born there. That's the birthplace. That's the clan that was prophesied back in Micah chapter 5 two. Jesus' parentage and name. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call Him Emmanuel. His parentage, Mary, the virgin, and His name, Emmanuel. These were prophesied by Isaiah in Isaiah 7.14. Jesus' time in Egypt, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I call my son. Jesus understands what it was to be a refugee. He was a refugee. He came out. He was, you know, his parents had to flee with him into Egypt because of Herod and what Herod was doing and the killing of young boys. And then came back, called back out from Egypt. And then Jesus' destiny, of course, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, 4. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This word is trustworthy. It gives us prophetic foretelling of Jesus' birth. And we didn't even get into His life and His death and resurrection throughout the Scriptures. He has prophesied about this Word in the Old Testament. The Old Testament leading into and forming a foundation for the new and the life and purpose of Jesus Christ. And there's prophecies that tell us of things that are to come And we are to continue to read the Scriptures and allow the Scripture to read us and understand and let it be a pointer as we look forward into a future. Because He's coming again. It not only tells us about His birth and His life and His death and resurrection, but it tells us He is coming again. (laughs) Are you happy about that? In an Advent, a time of waiting and hope, one day. (laughs) Woohoo! And just as sure as the prophecies about his birth, life, death, and resurrection have come true, so will the prophecies of his second return. Thirdly, Scripture is powerful. Scripture is powerful. Now, religious people don't always get this. In fact, religious people often overlook this. I was talking to a friend of mine just this week. This is not a smack on anybody at all or anyone, but just just be aware. You can be... He he just talked about his own experience in in Bible school and, and how just being, you know around the word so much, and people, you know, whatever, it just becomes something that's just sort of taken lightly. And sometimes it just becomes sort of another of the textbooks that you've got to read. It just becomes something that you do, and you just, and, 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 
and it loses that vitality that it's intended to have. Scripture is powerful. Jesus replied when he's talking in, in, in Matthew 22, he's having this conversation with the religious leaders of the time, and he says, you're in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. And even for those that did know the Scriptures, he says in John 5, you study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come and have life. I don't know how to illustrate this other than this. This, I just want to stand before you today and tell you I have a very special book here. This is the manual to my 1999 Buick Park Avenue. And I love to take and read about, in the first book, Seats and restraint systems. <laughs> and then sometimes I go on to features and controls. And then book three is comfort controls and audio systems. Very important. Number four, you're driving in the road. I, I probably haven't spent quite enough time there. Tips about the road and how to drive under different conditions, like when you're wearing a large sling problems on the road servants service and appearance care oh it's so exciting when you get to talk about fluids 5w30 10w40 it's exciting maintenance schedule Customer assistance and information. So I've, I've walked through and I've highlighted so many parts of this. And maybe someday when I, when I have it fully mastered, then and only then, maybe I'll pull out my keys and I'll actually turn the ignition and begin to drive. Do we sometimes do that with the Word? Do my devotions. Did my reading today. I've been reading and reading. Don't got much yet, but I'm reading. How much change happening in my life, but I'm reading. The voice of God's Word has the power to transform us and bring us into fullness of life. It is not simply a historical textbook. It is a roadmap leading us to life. The point of the exercise of immersing yourself, or as we've used the word, saturating yourself in the Word of God, is to allow it to begin to read your life and transform you, and it has the power to do so if you will allow it to do it. Because all Scripture is God-breathed. 
and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good word. So here is the word of the Lord to us this morning. We must embrace and engage the penetrating, prophetic, and powerful voice of God's word and allow it to instruct us, yes, to convict us and make us uncomfortable, to correct us, to put us back on the right track so that our lives are directed and therefore fulfill our identity and destiny. We must embrace and engage his word. So in this Advent, I'm inviting us as a congregation to once again come back to the scripture. Maybe it's been a while other than on a Sunday morning that you've opened the word of God. I confess there's been times in my life where that's happened for me. So I want to invite you to join me in in re-engaging the word of God. Maybe it's just reading a chapter each day, or maybe just even a paragraph each day, and just beginning the process wherever you are. Maybe it's, maybe it's twice a week right now. Maybe it's once, a, but something. Start where you are. Just like, like Lynn said about the offering, you know, sometimes we want to wait until we've got 47 hours to sit down and look through the scripture and study out a topic to its very end, and you may or may not have that time. Okay? If you're washing dishes and none of your clothes are clean and you're chasing around three kids and everything else and you don't know what it is, you're just trying to exist and live life from day to day, you might not have time for all of that. But do you have time to sit down and read a verse? Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe that's all you need today. You just need to know, God is with me today. Right in the middle of the muddle of my daily life, he's with me. That can change everything. The word of God can change everything. A simple word from the Lord. Your circumstances might not change, but everything changes. Because it's penetrated, it's spoken, and told you the way things are and the way things will be. And it's powerful to transform. This is the word of God. If we're standing at a crossroads as a culture and the signposts have fallen down, the first thing that we need to come back to today is the word of God, sola scriptura, to form that foundation. We were praying, I was praying that this morning. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, built upon the voice of the Lord speaking to his people through the ages. His word still speaks to us now. Will you let it speak to you today? Will you join me? I'd like to, if we could, again, if you're physically able, just stand up if you would right now. And wherever you are, just if you would just open your hands and and we're going to sing a song, Word of God Speak. We're going to be asking for the Word to speak. And I, I don't, I'm just not interested in us just saying some words by rote. 
and just singing things that we don't even think about what we're singing. But I really feel like this morning that this is a word that we're singing and an invitation to the Lord. We, um, Hannah led us earlier in a song that says, you know, that he hears us when we call to him. So when we ask for the word of God to speak into our lives, I want this to be much more than just words we're saying, but I want this to really be our prayer and our desire. And even if we're not willing, we can say, Lord, make me willing. (laughs) Please. So if you just open your hands and join me as we pray, and then we're going to sing this song, and then I'll give a benediction. If you just stay, though, through this moment of response, that would be helpful. But Jesus, I'm so grateful that for the last 80 plus years in this house, your word has been faithfully proclaimed. And Jesus, I'm grateful for those that have gone before me who have brought your word forth. I can still remember messages that Pastor Jacobson spoke. And many in this room can remember messages that go back even further than that in this house And Lord, in small groups, in mosaics, in life groups, and everything else we've called them over the years, and in our individual lives, and and, and at times, Lord, you've been so faithful. You're always speaking. You desire, Lord, to speak to our lives. You, You want, Lord Jesus, to transform us because you love us. And you want us to fulfill all that you've called for us to be and to do. So Lord, we want to receive today Your Word. And this Advent, first Sunday of Advent, we want to, Lord, acknowledge and confess, Lord, that that Your Word is, is living and active. And we want to invite and welcome right now for Your Word to come and to begin to penetrate. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Word of God this season will begin to penetrate into many lives. That, Lord, You will read us and that it will become prophetic speaking life and truth to us, O God. And Lord Jesus, that Your Word, O God, in the power of Your Word, that there would be transformation, that we will have many, many testimonies, Lord God, of the transforming power of the Word of God in our lives, individually and corporately. And Jesus, You've called us as a house to radiate life and joy into a world that is dark and despairing and, 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 and Lord, really is disoriented. And Jesus, we want to be those people that lovingly speak the truth and bring forth, O oh Lord, life and joy so that we are a blessing and we bless wherever we go. Lord, let Your Word reside in us, recognizing we'll be the only Scripture some people ever read is our lives. Let our lives accurately represent You. And Lord, let Your life flow in and through us by Your power of Your Word. In Jesus' name. Jesus, welcome. Living Word, welcome. We welcome You. Together, can we just say, we welcome You, living Word of God. We welcome You, living Word of God. Say it with me again. We welcome You, living Word of God. One more time. We welcome You, living Word of God. Just keep your hands open. Lynn, would you come and dismiss us this morning? Pronounce a benediction over us. Just keep your hands open.
Father, we praise you that you've been here with us today. Lord, you've kept your promise. You've met with us. You've supplied everything that we need. We grab a hold to your word, Father, and we refuse to let it go. We will hang on because your word is always true. Father, as we go from this place, help us to remember and continue to remember, Lord, and come together and be who you called us to be. Let the blessings of the Lord be, in your, be yours, be on you, be in your house, be on your family, be on your lives, be on your workplaces, and chase you down wherever you go. Go from this place with the banner of his love over you, mm-hmm. with the joy of his spirit yes. inside of you. Yes. In Jesus' name, until we meet again, amen. amen.